All right, welcome into the uh, Lemon Pepper Parlay podcast. Rob Parker here, Martin Weiss there, and you there. Uh, yes, it is the NBA edition of the podcast and uh, playoff edition as the playoffs in the first round are wrapping up and in full swing. What's up, Martin? How are you? I tell you what, these playoffs have been incredible and they've been so up and down. Like this, some of the series haven't been worth watching. I understand. I was going to so. say, say before you make up, uh, there've been four, a couple of them, four to one, and they haven't been competitive. But go ahead. But the ones that have been competitive are so night and day. Every time the game happens, it's just insane. The Lakers look great. The Clippers look terrible. The Suns look amazing. The Mavericks look unbeatable. The Mavericks look terrible. I mean, it's just so up and down every night. Who knows? It's like a mixed bag. I, for one, am enjoying it. Yeah, it has been crazy. And the swings and the turns in these series have been uh, truly amazing. But, of course, the big game tonight, and we should just start there, is, of course, the Lakers at home at Staples, you know, uh, trying to stave off elimination with the uh, young upstart Suns who looked amazing in game five at home, but now they're on the road trying to close out the defending champs. And uh, Martin, I wrote a column this morning for uh, deadspin.com. And the column is basically that the Lakers should not N-O-T play A-D Anthony Davis, uh, who got the nickname of uh, street clothes from uh, Charles Barkley. That's why Charles Barkley's the best, uh, you know, analyst for a sport because he just doesn't care. Most analysts and former players would not make fun of a star. Anthony Davis is a star. Just won a championship a year ago. Would not make fun of a guy like that. But his M.O., his history is that he's been hurt uh, off and on throughout his entire career. Last year was the first time really he wasn't hurt. And he was in the bubble and he had a big layoff when the season was stopped. But they won. But anyway, my, my issue is it's not just a strained groin which is what he's battling right now. Martin, it's the knee that he had before that. It's the Achilles he had before that that cost him 30 games during the regular season. And I just wonder if he's not going to be effective, is it worth the gamble? And that's my point is that when he's played in this series and he hasn't been effective, the Lakers have lost. So – is it worth putting him out there with a chance of him overcompensating on something on his legs and then having something else happen, a catastrophe? We saw that back in 2019 when the Warriors ran out Kevin Durant and, and he had a calf injury and it wound up being a ruptured Achilles when he went back out there and played. I'm not saying he's going to get a ruptured Achilles, but I'm just saying, is I it worth it, especially, especially as – LeBron is getting older, and if you lose him, it could be 15 months, and then that eats up more time at LeBron. Where are you on this? Should the Lakers go for it or not? You just made my point right there. You just absolutely they should go for it. If AD's cleared by the team doctors, then absolutely he should play. Because first of all, Robbie. Cleared by the team doctors too, right? What's that? They said he. Durant was cleared by Warriors doctors who said he could not do more damage than he had already done to that calf. Yeah, I understand that. And how many how many times have we seen that type of injury happen to a star player? Because it was 
Kevin Durant and the one before that was who? Like Daryl Dawkins? I can't. I remember because it was so we had never seen the Achilles happen before. So you could continue to use that outlier. But no, this is the playoffs. And if Anthony Davis wants to be the guy that is going to be the mantle of the Lakers, if he's healthy and able to go, he has to play. And the reality of the situation if is if 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 he's not effective, then the Lakers should bench him anyway. Right. Because like. In those other games, uh, the game when he games where he was not effective, you're right. They didn't win, and they kept him out here. And part of the reason why is because he's been playing very passive in those types of games. It's not like, like there's a difference between the like maybe Russell Westbrook being not necessarily effective offensively when he has a game where he's three for nineteen, but he still gets ten rebounds. He still got ten assists. He's still playing defense and so on and so forth. For Anthony Davis isn't shooting threes. I'm sorry, isn't shooting those mid-range numbers and making threes. If he's playing in that passive zone offensively, Lakers don't have a shot. So, Well, but that's that's the issue is maybe he doesn't want to mix it up because of what he's dealing with, so he stays on the perimeter, and and that's the other part. Here's the other thing that if I'm a Lakers fan, I'm concerned about or I'm worried about is that AD put it on the team doctors rather than saying, I'm playing. I'm just playing, and I'm going to see what I can do out there. No, his his statement yesterday to the media was, well, it's up to the doctors whether I play game six or not. That That's an out in case he doesn't play. He can just say, they told I me mean, I, I should. I, I don't think I did. I don't, I don't hear that the same way that you do. I hear that as I'm going to play if the doctors let me. Like, that, that's, that's uh, I mean, because, like, for for example, Donovan Mitchell went out after game one. Of the, of the Jazz Grizzly series said, I'm playing, and the team doctor said, no, you're not. But that's what but the difference is. AD didn't say, I'm playing, or, or I'm playing, and the doctors can't stop me. That's not what he said. He said... His, because the doctors his, can't stop him. No, <laughs> like, what do you mean? No, but his availability, it wasn't like, I'm doing everything I can. I'm going to be out there for game six. I don't care what the doctors say. He could say that in bravado. I know what you're saying. But the idea that he used it as a crutch right away. And then yesterday on the radio, we had on the radio AM 570, Jerry Harrison Jr., of course, who played Major League Baseball for 15 or so years and is an analyst uh, for the Dodgers, but also is a big basketball guy. He watches and follows basketball, but he's had groin injuries as well. He said it takes at least two weeks for something like that to really feel like you can get out there. And then he talked about the the other injuries compounding that. And he said he's putting himself in harm's way. And that's coming from another athlete who's experienced that. So I thought that was interesting that Jerry would would say that, knowing that he's had these injuries before. Well, of course. Anthony Davis is not 100%. We see it. We look, we, I mean, obviously. But if he's, if he's healthy enough to play, we've seen Chris Paul come out here after game one where he couldn't move his hand and couldn't feel the ball. And he's he came back and he started to play. That. He wasn't effective, and that's that. All right, so so if he wasn't effective in game three, I mean, he wasn't effective in in game four. Chris Paul wasn't in four, he got better because he had a couple days to get better. I'm talking about being effective. I'm just asking you if Anthony Davis comes out and is ineffective, then bench him. But but Anthony Davis has to come out and 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 play, (laughs) like, then bench him, play Trez. But Anthony Davis has to come out and play. The Lakers and and their risk is that if he gets injured, then the rest of the LeBron tenure here, as he gets older every year, year 19, year 20, 
could be marred and they don't have a chance at all without Anthony Davis. That's it. That's what I'm saying. This group isn't good enough to win a championship. And that's why you, I think it's a risk putting Anthony Davis out. I hear you. But if you're you're already in the dance, like you're I, I get what you're saying. But the Lakers are what? 12 wins away from a title right now. I understand that there's a lot in between that, but you're still 12 wins away. It's going to, to put it off and wait until, you know, next season. That 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 is that to me, that's playing when with they're the house both money you don't have. Juan hasn't been that effective. He's averaging 22 points a game uh, in the playoffs, which is as low as I think his lowest total ever. I mean, he, he really hasn't so then, been that So effective. then by your logic, right, LeBron's losing a step, okay? Right, LeBron is losing a step. He can't carry the right. team like he used to be able to. So why would you not push it to the limit right now? You, you need to. a healthy Anthony Davis, and if he's hurt, and can't play next year, the Lakers are in trouble. Anthony Davis will be hurt next year anyway. He's hurt every year. All right. So whether or not Anthony Davis plays in game six, it's going to happen. And unless the Lakers win, the Lakers season will be over. Rob, only two ways this game can end, and I have a good feeling the way you think it's going to end. But just humor me. What's going to happen in this game tonight? I'm going to go with the Suns here. I just like the way that they play. The Lakers look old. I don't like the supporting cast. I don't expect Anthony Davis, if he does play, to be that effective. Uh, when you have a backcourt that scores no points, I mean, obviously, there's going to be a better effort. They're not going to lose by 30 at the Staples Center at home in a in a elimination game. So I don't expect the score to be anywhere like that. Uh, and guys will play better. But I just like what I saw from the Suns. I just like the energy, they just ran over the Lakers. They got whatever they wanted. This will be very, very interesting. And I think the Suns don't want to give the Lakers any life. I think that they understand that this is it. And the longer you wait, the more chance that Anthony Davis gets better or healthier if you wait for a game seven, and then it's a different match. So I think this is like imperative for the Suns to want to slay the defending champs and get a tough out on the road. And they've already won at Staples. They won at Staples, so they can win uh, here. It's not like they can't. So I, I, I just don't see, unless guys have miraculous turnarounds, I don't like the supporting cast. I don't like Kyle Kuzma. I don't like KCP. Schroeder is the guy that they offered $84 million for. He went 0 for 9 in a, in a big playoff game. I mean, I just – I don't like – They got to like be sitting back like, thank you very much, Schroeder, for turning that contract down because I'll tell you, man, the Lakers, the others, as Shaq would call them, the, the role players, leave much to be desired. I mean, at this point, the only thing that – like the only reason at this point that you would pick Los Angeles would be blind faith in LeBron James, right? Like that's literally the only – that's the only compelling logical like like to say that blind faith in a player is a logical argument it's 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 illogical but after so much after so much historical evidence of LeBron having success through the, at least through this stretch of the playoffs the blind faith bit is not is not too hard but i mean i just you know what it is rob one i can't remember who told me this one of these days back in detroit the other team is pros too. The other team are pros too. And I picked and I, everything in the world is makes me looking like the Suns should close this thing out today, even though it's LeBron. But I mean, you look, it's LeBron and 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 the Rockets, right? It's not LeBron and and, and the All Stars. But 
just the way they came out last game, losing by 30, LeBron leaving the game early. Like it, like I, I can't imagine that they, I, I know this to be true. This game is either going to, this game is going to be close. Like this game is going to be down to the wire. This game is going to be like, if there's ever, if there's ever a LeBron flip the switch game, right. It's going to be, it's going to be this one because what happened last time out was, was objectively embarrassing. And I cannot imagine that those guys in the Laker locker room who are are just as much pros as the guys in the Phoenix locker room are going to allow themselves to come out and get embarrassed like they did again. But that's really only out of respect for the idea that these guys are all really good at basketball. If you want me to break down anything that's happened in the last uh, five, five, in the last five games to tell me why the Lakers are going to win this one, I got nothing for you. Right. That, that's what it is. I think you're at least being honest there. And the people who are banking on it, like LeBron's never lost in the first round or whatever it's been, you know, like it's been forever. And I think no, um, it's been never. He's literally never <laughs> lost in the first round in his entire career. So and that, you know, and it, that's people are banking on. But this is year 18 and this is the squad. This is not the team that won the championship last year. It's just not. And when you look at that squad, that's why I don't, I don't have any confidence in it. And Martin, they could improve. Look, the Sun, they could improve and play better. But it just means the Suns win by six or eight rather than 30. Do you know what I mean? Like, they can improve and play better and still that's, lose. I, that's how badly they play. I mean, you you can't just – it's the playoffs, right? If this was February, we would just throw that game away, right? That We would just throw that 30-point game away. It's like, all right, this is not real, right? This Something happened. Maybe there was a fight in the locker room before the game. Something ridiculous must have happened prior. Maybe, maybe there was bad shrimp on the team plane going into Phoenix. But we would just throw that out. It's, it's outlier. It's like, if you're looking at it trying to make a statistical real case, you but, but we can't because it's the playoffs. Like you, like that's why you want to just be like, oh well, Schroeder went zero for nine. That's just not going to happen again. But you can't say that because it's the playoffs, <laughs> and and he has right. there, there's he no evidence. Right, he can be two for nine tonight. You know what <laughs> exactly. I mean? Exactly. Right, and 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 that's that's why you know it's not going to be nine for nine. But anyway, the point is, I'm with you. Is that they haven't given me enough confidence and to to be like naturally, we would just say automatically. Oh yeah, they're gonna they're gonna bounce back and win. I I just don't I, I don't I don't think anybody really knows that because they don't know where LeBron will be. They don't know w- what AD will be or if he's playing, and they don't know about the cast of characters. I call them the Cosby Kids. They just don't know uh, who's going to show up, and they've been all over the place. And uh, I just think the only time that they you know had their way was when Anthony Davis was averaging 34 points and playing like the dominant self that he that's those are the two games they won. It had nothing to do with anybody when he's of that ilk. Then yes, they have a shot. Do I expect a 34 point night from Anthony Davis tonight? No. I'm not even sure he's going to play to be honest. I'm really no, but not. I think if if AD can come out and give him 20 and 10 and keep him in shouting distance then then I But that doesn't mean they could but, win. But you know what though? You know what though? Honestly, it's been blind faith really in LeBron and and Anthony Davis for most of this season, right? It's all been when AD and LeBron are healthy, when AD and LeBron are healthy. Well, now it's an elimination game and AD is not healthy. So, what are you going to do?
The NBA playoffs are here, and you'll be in hoops heaven betting on all the action on FanDuel Sportsbook. There are so many exciting matchups, and FanDuel is taking that excitement to another level because new and existing, that's right, everybody, all customers can bet risk-free throughout the playoffs. Once you have a FanDuel Sportsbook account, you can bet one same-game parlay risk-free every week. That means you can combine multiple bets for an even bigger win. And if you don't win, you'll get up to $10 back. You know what I'm doing with my same game parlay? I'm taking the Lakers to win on the money line. I'm taking LeBron James over points. And I'm taking over 207 in the entire game. That payout's going to be massive. And I think all three of them things is going to happen. LeBron James is not going home in the first round of the playoffs, okay? So basketball fans, use FanDuel Sportsbook right now. It's the perfect time to give FanDuel a shot. New users can still get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up with promo code LP3 to bet the NBA playoffs risk-free. That's LP3. So they know the Lemon Pepper Parlay podcast sent you. All right, the other L.A. team. The Los Angeles Clippers, your Los Angeles Clippers. I mean, Rob, how does it feel to be on this roller coaster with me? Because in games one and two, I was I was riding click, 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 click. And all of a sudden, games three and four was woof all the way right down to the bottom floor. And then game five, Luca just shot me right back up to the top. And it's been the exact opposite for you. No road team has lost a game in this series. I mean, the Clippers have been favorited and everyone on the money line. Rob, what do you make of this series so far? What do you make of Luka Doncic last night? I don't know. He missed 20 shots and they still won. I mean, wow. he was he, he put up 37 <laughs> shots and missed 20. I'm like, wow. Uh, but they won. He made enough of them to win. And it was just a missed opportunity by the Clippers, obviously. You would like to win. The, the idea that you're in a playoff series and you lost all three games at home and you still have uh, potentially another one, and that's no even a guarantee. If they go to they go to Dallas and win on Friday, I don't even. I'm not convinced they could come home and win Game Seven at home. Not not that the way the way that they've played. So I look at it as a missed opportunity. Maybe it was asking a lot. They've dug themselves a big hole. Were they really going to win four games in a row? Maybe not. You know what I mean? Because that's what they would be trying to do. So I, I just look at each game individually. Uh, you know, it's a, that now the margin of error is slim to none. I mean, they got to win both games, one on the road, and then come back for game seven. But you don't play like that. You play one game. And, you know, if you remember game three, they were down 30 to 11 in Dallas. It looked like it was all over. Tell me when you watched that. You were like, this is over, right? Oh, I mean, man. No, I was uh, I was standing up shouting at the TV. And then all of a sudden, Lucas sits on the bench and it just. It flipped. <sighs> evaporated. Right. So, so that's where I, I, I can't read the Clippers. I just don't even, it doesn't comprehend, it, it, it comprehends a logic or, um, you know, like thinking about the players involved and the stats and what normally takes place. But this is the playoffs. This happens sometimes. I can comprehend the Clippers just fine. They don't play defense in the way that everybody says that they do. They have the two wing. The, everybody always says it's the two premier wing defenders in the NBA. And it's like, well, if that's the case, either Luka Doncic is the best offensive player that we have seen ever, or Kawhi and PG can't be that, can't be at that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Are they high level defenders? Absolutely. 
But I just can't imagine that Luka Doncic is 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 that level offensively. It's hilarious to me that you say the first thing that you say after watching that game is Luka missed twenty shots. Because no, I'm just, I, I look at stats. I'm just it's incredible that. You can, miss, you can miss 20 shots in the Most people miss 20 shots in the NBA game. They don't win. I'm just – it's like when Kobe well, had his uh, – Most people don't, his, uh, Most people aren't allowed to take 37 yeah, shots in an NBA game. Like, that's kind of – that's really the outlier, right? This, this is a lot. That's all I'm saying. That's what – that number stood out to me more than anything. Well, what stood out to me was his complete dominance and control of the game and how he scored or assisted on 30 – one, I believe, of 37 made Mavericks field goals. He had a game and like he completely he had Luka Doncic had the game that I wanted LeBron James to have in game five, where he sat and dominated the possessions. He slowed the clock down. He he found his teammates in open spots. And he's like, yo, no, no, I'm the king of this thing. I'm running the show here. I'm not letting it go. Cause don't because you know what the th- Kawhi Leonard has been you know really spectacular offensively this series, but no one can stay in front of Luca. That's the problem. So like last night, Ty Lue said it like, you know, we asked Kawhi to do a lot and he got a little tired because down the stretch he was trying to stay in front of Luca, and then also do the scoring. Yeah, they had yeah. I mean, going into uh, Game Five. Uh, Kawhi Leonard was shooting 65% from the field, Martin, and 50 from three-point. I mean, you can't play any better and not be like a seven-foot-four guy. You know yeah, what he I mean? Yeah, he was shooting big man percentages from the field. Yeah, no, right. That's not a, that's not a, a forward or a guard's uh, a shooting percent. 65% from the field, that's unheard of. No, he's been incredible. And you know what the other thing? Say what you will about pandemic P. Say what you will about him hitting the side of the bubble, uh, side of the basket in the bubble. Paul George has had a hell of a series too. It's play what? It's just they have no answer for the Mavericks. If Luca, like I, I was just man, the only Luca now is in eleven playoff games. He's played eleven playoff games. This is fourth one of forty, and he had a fifth one of thirty nine. They have no answer for Luca on the perimeter. And, you know, really, you know, I, I, I don't know what the Clippers are going to do because it really comes down to, you know what it really just comes down to is Tim Hardaway Jr. and Dorian Finney-Smith are going to hit their shots. If they hit their shots, the Mavericks are going to win this series going away. You know, they'll lose despite Luka. It's always that he, st- he still needs other guys to make some shots. And they didn't make shots in Dallas and they didn't win. You know what I mean? So I get it. You're right. I got, I got a theory about that. Okay. So for all my NBA knowing life, right? You you home court advantage. Minutes. Home court advantage. Home court advantage is so important because your role players typically play play better at home in front of the home fans, and conversely, play worse on the road in hostile environments. Right. That's the ultimate. Yes, that that's always been the case. Okay, so listen to this in Staples Center last night. There was six to seven thousand people in American Airlines Center in Dallas in games three and four. There was fifteen thousand plus. This is the first time in in over fifteen months that the Mavericks or the Clippers have played in front of fifteen thousand plus people, right? And played in front of any modicum number of people. But is there something? I think there might be something to the idea. That Dallas, when they went home to Dallas, 
had a little bit of home court disadvantage from being just in front of a raucous environment for the first time in, in 15 months. They, they go to the Staples Center. It's Don't get me wrong. They're getting booed and stuff there. But, like, the fans aren't nearly as loud as they were at, like, a Madison Square Garden or they were in Texas. But how did that work out for the Clippers, though, to go into a hostile environment with a big crowd and they won? I'm just – but you, but if you think about it, the way the Clippers – the Clippers really, their output through the first uh, – through the through this series, Kawhi and Paul George have been constant. They've been the ones that have been – he's been balling out. Like game two, Kawhi had 41, Paul George had 28 and like eight rebounds, and they still lost. It was like – it was really the Mavericks, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Dorian Finney-Smith playing, above, you know, kind of above their levels in games one and two that made these – that made it look like it was going to be a Dallas sweep. Right. So I just it, – it's just something I was thinking about. You know, you know, it could be legit. It's the first time they've been playing in front of a ton of fans for a long time, you know. The pandemic is ending. People are going outside and experiencing things in a whole new way. You know, things that you used to think were kind of normal feel different. Right. Speaking of raucous environments, Madison Square Garden was not one last night as the Hawks advanced. Trey Young did his dance all over the Knicks. Did you notice? Did you see at the end of the game, Rob, where Knicks fans were chanting or, or you know cheering, trying to give the the old, the old Knickerbockers a a nice send off? appreciation for their playoff run and the Trey Young hit a 40-foot three-pointer and took a bow. And New York has been so long since, what, 2013 or whatever? I mean, it's been a long time. Knicks fans growing up in New York, uh, the Knicks always had – New York was always split. When you, when, you, when you talk about New York, it's like you're an Islanders or Rangers fan, you're a Jets or a Giants, you're a Mets or a Yankees, but the Knicks were the only team, you know what I mean, that had uh, – that 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 had the uh, full support of the entire New York because the Nets were in New Jersey and nobody was a Nets fan in New York. It just wasn't. Right. So the, the Knicks have always been the one that got all the support from the city. So they are the city's team. That's why people are so, you know, worked up about it, the whole city. Uh, obviously, Brooklyn is trying to change that. But anyway, yeah, it was nice. Uh, and uh, Trey Young did his thing and uh, the Hawks are moving on. And now they get to play the number one seed Philadelphia 76ers, who wiped up who, you know, the field uh without Embiid and and now move on uh to the second round. So with that, do you think that Trey Young and his I mean, first of all, I'm super excited to see that we have a Trey Young, like a level of just complete shit talker in the NBA. Like I'm I'm I I'm I'm here for that. I love the bow. I don't know if you saw, but he also looked like blue fake spit like on the ground, like after he hit another three. Like, like I, I'm here for that kind of heel villain, villain in the NBA. I love it. Um, but he's going up against his biggest task in his career against the number one seed Philadelphia 76ers, albeit with Joel Embiid having a slight meniscus tear in his left knee. I still like the Sixers in this series even if Embiid is limited. But I do think that that is probably where they will end up dying. Uh, Philadelphia should win the series, but you never know. It could take a turn. If Embiid comes out there and is is hurt seriously or, or has to bow out of the series or something like that, that can alter it. Uh, Philadelphia, I know they got Tobias Harris, 
as a scoring option. Uh, Simmons doesn't shoot that much. I mean, I would be afraid if Embiid's not there. I really would if I was a Sixer fan. Uh, the Hawks feel good, obviously. They got a good young team. They can shoot from the perimeter. They can score. I mean, and and um, so so I, I like – and Nate McMillan's a good coach. I mean, he turned that thing around. That team had some talent, but they weren't winning early on, Martin. They fired their coach. They bring in Nate McMillan and things right away. I think they won 10 or 11 in a row when he took over, like, like right away. And he's known for, you know, getting guys to dig deep and play some defense. So uh, if Embiid plays – I don't see the Hawks. I think it's a nice run. They don't get to the, you know, past the second round, but obviously it's a good start for that young team with, with Trey Young. But I, I'm with you. I think the Sixers should win it. The thing I like about Philly a lot, even though they don't have, they won't have Embiid in, in the first game of this series and may not have him for a few of them. I like the fact that Philly offensively is going to be way more diverse than New York was. Atlanta didn't have to defend New York because Julius Randle was terrible the entire series. And uh, and and they just, at no point did the Knicks take advantage of the fact that Trey Young is the one of the worst defenders in the NBA. Philly's not going to do that. Doc Rivers is going to hunt him out, and they're going to have to defend. And I think that's going to be a big struggle for Atlanta. But whoever wins out of that series is going to be playing what everybody will be watching in round two, the Nets and the Bucks. The Brooklyn Nets taking the Milwaukee Bucks. It is a probably the matchup of round two, right? I'm I'm it's the one I'm looking forward to the most. Rob, I know who you're leaning. I'm telling you, I disagree already. You can disagree because it's not based on anything. It's just because you don't you don't want the Nets to win. That's but if not you true. Look at it, it is. It has because it because you're acting like they have no shot to beat the Milwaukee Bucks, who have choked over and over in the playoffs who have seen uh, Giannis become uh, at, at the end of games where where he can't he doesn't have a patented move or shot to make baskets at the end. We saw what yep, Miami yep. did. Yep. But, I, but the Nets have three star players who are just now, again, they were hurt. They haven't played together. We saw what they can do. They can put up the three of those guys 100 points a game, and then you just have other guys. That, that need to make shots. I just like where the Nets are. I get the the Giannis and, and what he was able to do at the end of the year, but I'm not going to put that all in to say that that is what's going to happen in the playoffs. It's just like uh, I like the Nets. It's an arms race, and they just have – we've never seen three guys with this shooting ability score, and, and I'm not even talking about Joe Harris and some of the other guys who can, who can knock down shots for that team, but those three guys – and James Harden healthy and the facilitator. And we saw Kyrie, you know, go to Boston and get 39. And, and you see Durant get 42 on, on 20 shots. He got 42 mm-hmm. points on 20 shots. You just talked about uh, uh, Luka getting 37 points on 37 shots or whatever it was. You know, Durant had 42 points on 20 shots, 14 for 20. So I like the Nets. All they have to do is be average defensively and make people work for their baskets. But they, I, I got the Nets. I'm not saying it's going to be a runaway. I got the Nets in six games. I like them a lot. But like you just said, the, their competition this, this, this round, the Milwaukee Bucks, I like how you phrase it. They flamed out in the playoffs the last few years. You know what they are? They're battle-tested. They know how to lose. They've lost. 
and they know how to right, rebound. Right, they know how. To- but I'm saying they rebounded from that. You saw they went and took care of Miami in short order this season. Giannis oh, has been playing out of his mind. And you want to talk about an arms race? You want to talk about an arms race? You missed something. Milwaukee added one of the bigger arms, the un- and he's unheralded because he's been buried in the Western Conference behind a lot of other great guards. But Drew Holiday is a player. Okay. Drew Holiday is a dude. He can defend, he can score. And I mean, I'm telling you, this is going to be Brooklyn's biggest test going forward. I like the Bucks in seven. But I mean, just in part because. You saying that they don't have Giannis doesn't have a patent move? That's cool because you know who's coming down taking the last couple shots? Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. That's what they did down the stretch against Miami in the one game where it was close. That was what they were doing down the stretch through the regular season. And I, I like Milwaukee in this series just because and I just think I don't think the matchup works too good. The tallest guy on Brooklyn is Kevin Durant. The tall the tallest guy you want to play on Brooklyn is Kevin Durant versus Giannis and Brooke Lopez. That's going to be tough. Yeah, I'm not worried about Brook Lopez. Um, I, I just I, – I like where the Nets are. I like what they did. It was good, too, that they had a loss in there. But just, you know, I think that once in a while you need that to just ha- let you realize it ain't going to be that easy. It's a battle. And I get it. They haven't played that much. And what they're trying to do is unprecedented, to play eight regular season games together basically and then win a championship. So, so I get it why you would be skeptical and think it might not work. But I, I believe that they just – their firepower is, is, is like anything I've seen in the NBA. And I've been covering the league since 1987. And all the former players and, and GMs and people I've talked to, it's hard for them to bet against them because of when you have three of the top 15 players or whatever it is, it's, it's just – it puts you in a different stratosphere. It just – you're not like worrying who's going to uh, – you know, like worrying not only who's going to take the shot, but if they can make it. All three of those guys can make it, and that's the that's just, the thing that's the game they lost though. Obviously, to an organization in disarray, as Brad Stevens would step down. What the soon as they lost, Brad Danny Ainge resigned. As soon as they lost, it's just I don't know if it was the, the I don't know if the Boston have- Celtics were the barometer of success this year. Yeah, just uh, Tatum's a good play, great player. He had 50 points. It's going to happen. You're not going to win every game. I'm, no one's going to go through this and be undefeated. So I don't look at that that way. I'm, I'm a realist when it comes to games. Everybody's not going to win every game. All right, Rob. It's time is now. Phoenix and the Lakers. Phoenix is a two-point underdog right now for tonight's game. Who you like in this game and why? I'm going to take Phoenix plus the two points. Um, Shocker. No, I just don't like the Lakers. I think they're going to lose. That's just my gut feeling. Uh, If the Lakers do win, it'll be close. Could be a one-point game, and you would still win with Phoenix, with the Phoenix two points. So I'm just going to say that they're going to take – it's going to need everything that they have in order to get a W. Um, So I'm going to go with Phoenix. I lean on the Lakers on this side, but I'll be honest, like I just told you guys in the, earlier in this podcast, it's all blind faith on LeBron James. So you know what I am going to do? I'm not going to bet on the Lakers. I'm going to bet the over. I'm going to bet the over 207. I'm betting over 207, and I expect a great game tonight. I expect a barn-burning game tonight. But I see this game. I see both teams scoring over 105 points. So over 207 looks good to me. Um, That's incredible. The guy who had the Lakers going to the championship. 
amazing. You won't even bet on them in a game stick at home. Well, you have to realize, Rob. <laughs> see, let me, I'm, I'm going to educate you a little bit on this gambling stuff. I have Lakers future tickets already going, saying that they're going to win the title. I have the Lakers like plus 700, plus 460. Plus, I, got, I, have a lot of, I have a lot of money already invested in the Lakers winning the title. So at this point, <laughs> we might be just throwing uh, good money after bad, and that's one thing that I don't like to do. It's never, it's not good practice. But the Denver Nuggets are five-point underdogs taking on the Portland Trail Blazers. Damian Lillard was incredible in, in a two-overtime loss uh, last time out. Rob, who do you have winning this game? Or, or what's your pick in this game? I got Portland at home. Disappointing loss. Damian Lillard couldn't play any better, and they still couldn't win that game. And uh, one coaching by Malone, they allowed Lillard to take two game-time threes, which was amazing to me. I mean, at some point, foul a guy. Uh, don't let him get a shot off. But anyway, I think Portland, this is going to be one of those seven-game series. If uh, Murray was playing for Denver, it would be all different. I, I just – I like Portland – even giving up five points at home, I think they win by eight or ten. I like Portland here. I'm taking the Blazers as well. I think the Blazers probably win by five or ten. Because, again, one of those ideas of everybody out here is a pro, right? The Blazers have to be looking at themselves in the locker room after last game. Like, we just let Dame do that and we lost? Like, Dame did that and we lost? Like they CJ has to look at himself like, bro, if I don't get this thing in, I don't, if I don't get this thing in gear, I'm a, instead of being in the passenger seat, I'm going to get the ejector seat. Okay. So I'm thinking, I do think the Portland comes, I think Portland wins this game and will ultimately win this series. But Parker, what's your lemon pepper parlay for today? All right. My lemon pepper parlay is very simple. Don't overthink it like Martin Weiss has behind him. Don't overthink it. Yes, it's very simple. The Lakers aren't winning. It just doesn't feel like that, and I don't know what Anthony Davis is going to do. So I'm going to take the two points with Phoenix, and the young guns run the old guys uh, out of the playoffs. And I'm also going to take Portland. They are going to bounce back from that. They scored a million points and lost the other night. They're going home with their season on the brink. They win by eight or 10 points over Denver. It's a 3-3 tie, and then they go to a game seven. So I got Phoenix plus two and Portland minus five. And remember, it's always better with the cheddar. So for my lemon pepper parlay, I'm actually not going to do a same game parlay. I'm going to do just a standard parlay. But tonight's going to be a points fest. Points fest. I'm going over Rob Parker over on both of these games over 207 in the Suns and the Lakers game and over 228 in the in the Trailblazers and the Nuggets game. Trailblazers and Nuggets defense is optional 100 percent. And I just can't I just I'm going to have to see the Lakers lay down like they did last game. I'm going to see it twice to believe it's going to happen again. I'm going over on both of those. So that's my lemon pepper parlay for this week. All right. And that's the uh, lemon pepper parlay podcast, the NBA edition, the playoff edition. And this will be interesting by the time we come back for next week. But don't forget to uh, 
Like us, subscribe, share it, tell your friends about it. He is Martin Weiss. I'm Rob Parker. We'll see you next week. Peace.